seals that first shot over Stalock. We're back to nine. Have a shot on goal with Dave. Let's go! And welcome into Canucks and Pucks. Uh, very happy to uh, be back on the air again uh, with Canucks talk and uh, game two in the books now and another and finally a postseason win for the Canucks after four seasons of uh, no playoffs. So uh, it's great to be back and and very happy to uh, be joined by Sarah Log from uh, Nutstead uh, blog. Uh, very happy to have you on the show, Sarah. Thanks for having me. All right, and I'm also joined by uh, our my co-hosts Aiden Badley and Dan Sybak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thanks for for joining me again, and uh, great to get our first episode uh, with all of us here. It's going to be a good one. We finally get to talk about a win, eh? Yeah. Well, we actually we actually we actually we actually have someone who knows what they're talking about with Sarah here, so I think we're in we're in good shape now. Oh, good. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's great to be talking about a Canucks win and uh, some goals, uh, especially 24 seconds into the game, and uh, didn't have to wait long for that to happen. And uh, we'll start. We'll start with talking about uh, Michael Furland, and we just found out that he's going to be unfit to play for the rest of the series and potentially into the actual playoffs. That we'll get some get some maybe some reaction from you, Sarah, about uh, Furland not being able to continue my heart hurts for him because he worked so hard to get in shape again after all his injury trouble this year and he looked good so good in camp and pretty decent in game one and then I just had this bad sinking feeling when he left the game yesterday like pit in my stomach and honestly I just want him healthy like forget about throw hockey out the window just get healthy fairly yeah I I mean I I was a I was already concerned, especially when he came back from the concussions, that uh, something like that would happen, especially yeah. with the fight that he had in the first game. And didn't seem like yeah. he was worse for wear. So, but I don't know if that's that's come directly from that or it's uh, some hits that he. Or from the clear, but I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, get some feedback from maybe from you, Aiden, uh, first on mm-hmm. on Fernland. It could be that post-concussion syndrome, too, like just the aggravated uh, activity level. Like, no matter how much off-ice training you do, I have dealt with concussions myself in my hockey career, and no matter how much off-ice training you do, once you're skating full pace, getting hit, getting your head moved around, that's when you start to feel it. So if it's all the post-concussion syndrome as well, let alone if you uh, took a hit 
in that fight or some battle or the shot block. It could be a lot of things. And I, along with our guests here, just hope you hope to get healthy and just don't worry about hockey right now. Get healthy. Figure this all out. Yeah. yeah. Get healthy. Yeah. That, that's the main thing, especially like I talked earlier in a couple articles about that. The thing is about him is his lifestyle could be threatened and it's not just, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, not just about hockey. It's about his life after hockey. And I mean, you don't want to have, you know, post-concussion syndrome for the rest of his life. Like we've had with some players, like I just go back to Adam Deadmarsh a long time ago and he, before concussions was a huge thing in the NHL is that he couldn't continue, like his lifestyle was affected on it. So yeah, the biggest thing is just to have him healthy. And even if he has to potentially retire uh, just for his life to go back to normal, then, you know. I'd rather he retire and like preserve his long-term life than come back to hockey and risk it even worse. Yeah, I agree totally with that. I've enjoyed watching him play though. Like, it would be a real shame for him to retire, but without a doubt, if it's the right thing to do, that's what should happen. Yeah, like with uh, Derek Dorsett a couple years back when he had to walk away while he still could walk away, it might be similar. Like, he might have to just say, this is it if I want to continue to live the way he wants to. Like, he has kids. Like, just health first, always. Yeah, and the thing is that, like, I thought, you know, it was, it was such a big, a feel-good story from coming back and uh, the hard work that he did through training camp. And it looked like he was starting to, you know, look normal, back to normal. And, and then this happens. I was, like I said, I was worried about it when he came back. I was worried. Camp. I felt gutted so, yesterday. Yeah. And especially when they said, oh, he's left the game. And I'm like, oh, it's mm-hmm. probably another concussion. And now they've confirmed that it wasn't a blocked shot that did it. And like, they're not saying what it is, but, I mean, speculation it is probably is uh, concussion-related. It's the most likely scenario with his history. Yeah, and that, that's for sure. Um, so his him leaving in that game uh, put some more pressure on some of the other guys that came into the lineup uh, with Tyler Toffoli being out. Uh, we had Louis Erickson come in, and, uh, and I mean, amid some – you know, whenever Erickson gets in the lineup, everyone's kind of like, oh, why are we putting him back in? And admittedly, he played a really good game. I, I don't know. He played I mean, one of the best games he's played in recent Canucks history prior to the pause. <laughs> yeah. His, his, his dick, though, being broken like that was so Louis Erickson. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> Other than just, oh, Louis. Oh, just the bad luck he's had, too, and just not finding uh, the form since he's been to Vancouver. Like, you know he wants to play well. Mm-hmm. No hockey player out there doesn't want to play well. Absolutely. And just the transition to Vancouver and not initially finding the chemistry with the Sedins, like everything was supposed to be way back in the day. And oh, then well, that dream back then. <laughs> <laughs> and then them retiring and him being lost again. It's like a – I don't want to say lost puppy, but he's just had – A little bit. A little deer in the headlights. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as much as we get on him for, for not scoring, I mean, he does his job really well. I mean, the way he – his defensive game is, is probably one of the best on the team. Um, and we always call him the little things. He does the little things well. But he does do the little things that's, well. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it suits him, but it's true. 
Yeah. I mean, I say like if he if he was getting paid like under a million or even a million, two million, everyone wouldn't be on him so much. Because yeah, could you imagine if he was on that Spezza contract and you need to see how much he's loved by the Toronto fan base taking that cut, the old player who's just kind of hanging in there? It would be a completely different narrative. The, the thing is, the way Benning and, and his team hand out contracts, it wouldn't be six, but it would probably be 4.7, maybe even five. So, you know, just to be that checking line plugger anyways. And the thing is, about, like, like I said, yesterday he played over 20 minutes, um, played the most – even strength of anyone on the team, even the defenseman. And that was surprising to me, but he did it well. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like he played, is it, he played on the hold second on, is line it, too. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Is it really surprising um, when that's the line that's going to shut down uh, the Wilds, you know, quote unquote top line. Right. And, you know, we should talk about that at some point. Um, but I mean, he's going to get 20 minutes with Bo Horvat because that's their job. If they get a yeah. goal, great, right? But their their job is to be on there to stop uh, Fiala, uh, at least limit his ability to be that Canuck killer. Yeah, I mean, that that line, that, like like I said before, it's, you know, Erickson coming in the line if he goes right to the second line. Um, I mean, it didn't make a point, a point before about him being on that line when they were on that 14-3 and three run. I think it was Jeff Patterson that made that uh, made that point. I mean, it's it's true. I mean, that line does play well. I just don't like how they're kind of not going for scoring. They're more for that shutdown. I don't like a second line being a matchup line. I'd rather that being a third and fourth line. But I I'd agree I, with you. I agree. He de- like he definitely does bring all of that to that line with Bo and Pearson. But just just one game, I want Greener to swap him and Vertanen because I want Vertanen's speed with yeah. both and Pearson because when he utilizes his speed, he opens up so much space. And then Bo's already there. Like Bo, like Bo and Pearson can catch him, be ready for that. Yeah, but Jake, Jake and Bo's Jake, Jake and but but Jake's game does not match at all with Bo Horvat's or even Tanner Pearson's game. That's not but, their game. That speed isn't their game, right? But, so what ends up? What ends? Hold on, Sarah. What ends up happening? He did have some success with Bo when they yeah, played not, games not, together in the past. Yeah, but not a lot. I mean, his the most success he's had is his playing with Miller and Pedersen, right? That's the most yeah, success he's had. Yeah. Didn't get an extended run with both. Like they started having chemistry, and then the next game he was like moved down the lineup. I actually agree with Sarah here. If you put Jake Bertanen on that line, you create. I, I, I watch. I, there's not much that I miss when it comes to watching the Canucks games, and Bertanen's one I've been watching every time he's played since he's joined the Canucks. And I know people still get bugged by his top six pick, but. <laughs> I, there, there are some things I would, I would like to see him utilize a little bit more. Yeah, so well, we don't, I, don't, I don't want you to think, I don't want you to think that I don't think you know what you're talking about. So. No, I, I don't think that. I mean, the thing is about like, I've loved for Ken since it, and he's just looks, the thing is about his top six potential. And I, I still don't think I agree with you, Sarah, about hey, Green's never used him well enough in the top six. And the fact they're not giving him enough time, I think to mesh with anyone up there. And, you know, they mm-hmm. kind of puts him there for a bit and he's like, oh, no, he's not going. And he goes back to the third and fourth lines. And you see so much potential in the package he has. And I think 
I think he's I mean, just not he given the right chance. For a like he was right there on the cusp of being like our fifth or sixth twenty goal scorer this season. I mean, I'm glad he's back in the lineup. That's for sure. The thing is about with the Minnesota Wild, you already saw it. He didn't play it. I mean, in the game yesterday, he actually, I actually noticed him quite a bit, even even though they he's said, oh, we've had an okay game, but. I think he had a fairly decent game. I know he got a lot of uh, comments for that back check. Yeah. And everyone said that just because that was good doesn't mean he was good. That that was so good. It's like, <laughs> yes, but if he's going to continue to be in life, he needs to do things like that consistently. Well, yeah. his, his first his first shift is what set his tone when he took that shot and rang it off of uh, Stayflop's <laughs> mask there. Um, I thought that that was was eased, you know that was that was when you knew Jake was into the game because that shot was was wicked and yeah. I think him sitting that first game really got to him and he knows that if he wants to stay in the lineup he has to play with that determination. He came to play. That's one of the hardest I've seen Jake Bertanen work. And in, 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 uh, on certain shifts, he, he was moving. He was. You you mean you may never get that from him though, right? You may never get that consistency. I mean, again, but again with again with <laughs> Phil Kessel, but again with Phil Kessel, right? Phil Kessel's not the most consistent player, but he's oh, won two Stanley Cups. He's got he's got forty plus goal seasons, and that might be who Jake is. Jake is a better player. You're a better play team for him on your team, and you take the bad versus, well, I don't like those bad, so I'm going to bench him. You're still a better team with him on your team. And his teammates love him. Like, you can tell they love him. It's a, it's, it's, yeah. They're better with him than without him, that's for sure. I, it, one of the things I just want to talk about, and there were a few comments today. I know Canuck Twitter is just awesome for, you know, very, in, in, you know, um, very uh, educational comments. Um, <laughs> but a lot, of peop- a, lot of, a lot of people were mad at the team, like, oh, why are they letting Furlan play? The process for a player to get back in is not determined by the team. It's determined by the league, number one. Number two, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is what they have to do. Uh, sorry, Sarah, just let me finish this. He, they have to have, yeah, they have to have complete rest until symptom-free. Then they start with light aerobic. Then sports-specific exercises. Then they do the non-contact. Then they do full contact. After they get medical clearance, which is independent of both the team and the player, and then they get to return to competition. So this isn't a case where the Canucks were trying to force Furlan into the lineup or he was trying to rush himself back. I mean, he wanted to play. But all these comments about, well, he's not going to tell these symptoms, the process that's in place is there to protect the player. And I have no – there's nothing in my mind that would tell me that he wasn't prepared to play or wasn't cleared to play. Again, it just – all it takes is one odd hit for a concussion to all of a sudden rear its head. And at this point, I agree with everything that you guys have said. He's got a family. He's got children. That's far more important. And he's got his insurance money now. He should be looking at taking care of them and, and moving on in his career. Yeah, so so we'll move on for, like, Furland's now, he won't be playing for the rest of the series. And then you got uh, Toffoli may, may play tomorrow, but, I mean, they're, they're kind of ruling him out with that too. Uh, and then you got Roussel. I don't. We haven't heard much about him either. Probably won't find out till tomorrow. He he he's a tough French guy. He's gonna come out with face shield and be, be like, oh, the way he is when he comes out. <laughs> he, he's very satisfied when he comes out and does something big after something like that. He's he's a warrior. Yeah. No, Roussel will probably be back, but we still have Zach McEwen will probably play, uh, come into the lineup or Goddad. Who do you think uh, will be in tomorrow? I- I'm torn between both of them because I, I like 
both of the things bring to the, but I'm slightly leaning towards McEwen just because he hasn't had that edge since the start of camp. And he was bringing such a high level before the pause. And like with everything he's been to, I think we're going to see a very, very, very determined McEwen come in. If God yeah. comes in, I won't be mad either. I mean, either <laughs> one, but I, I think Matt, Edge. Yeah, I agree, especially with uh, losing Furland uh, out of the lineup. He does bring more of that into the, the physical play and the speed. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with McEwen as well. A- Aiden, you want to weigh in on that? Oh, I'll be the devil's advocate here, and I actually believe that. I'll go with Gaudette. And um, just that I, I like the way those NCAA players play in the playoffs in the NHL. I think the U.S. program in terms of developing hockey players better lends them towards playoff hockey than the Canadian one. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. And that's completely just off the cusp and not based on fact. But I like... Keep your eyes used. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> just go down that list. Uh, maybe not Matthews in the playoffs, but the rest of them. Actually, Matthews plays well. It's just a team. But um, Yeah, Matthews finally scored yesterday, so... <laughs> I, well, I think uh, I would... Personally, I would go with... Uh, Goddet. However, I believe Travis Green that he's injured. I and I think I, I think he probably had an injury and they tried to fight through it, and I don't think it went very well. And I think that's why he looked really bad. So I think they're going to try McHugh and, and and push that. And if Roussel has some sort of a concussive issue, then that they'll probably then put in uh, Goddet. But if you're going to put Goddet in, you got to put him with Jake, and you got you can't even as good as the brand Brandon. And by the way, Brandon Sutter had a hell of a game. I did not at yeah. all expect him to have that game. I, I'm, I'm blown he away. I'm really, me. yeah, I'm very happy to eat crow on that one. Believe me. Yeah, Sutter actually played quite well yesterday. I, mean, I, I think the whole, the whole team played a really good game. I mean, I don't know if it, minus the two minutes where Fiala scored those two goals. But. Oh boy. <laughs> Attention. Yeah, but I mean, Fiala is a good player, right? And and yeah. you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna shut these guys down all the time. But you know, how good did the Canucks play? Put put this in perspective. People aren't talking about this. They you know oh, the, the Wild came close. The Wild haven't scored a five on five goal this the whole series. They have two power play goals, an empty net goal. No, I think they have <laughs> one, one, and then they've got no, no, they don't have one. They've got a, a, a short-handed, yeah. two power play goals, two six-on-five goals. So <laughs> unless they can get some sort of advantage in some capacity, and, and they have kind of won the special team so far, they've been the better team, they can't score five-on-five. Five. And so to the point of Vancouver played a good game, they absolutely played a good game. And once again, oh, yeah. in the second game in a row now, the, the, what was supposed to be the weakest link on the Canucks, their uh, defense – has honestly been probably their best. And there were some pretty – we should talk about some of the penalties too. But yeah. there were some pretty ticky-tack yeah. calls. And, yeah, yeah. And, but Tyler Myers played one. Qu- Quinn Hughes <laughs> yeah. looked so much yeah. – Quinn Hughes looked so much better. Um, so did Stetcher. Edler was – that was Edler from his prime yesterday. That, that was – and Fattenberg, Oscar Fattenberg had three hits – because I, 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 now you've got me, Matt. Now you've got me actually writing down the things I see in the games for this podcast now, right? <laughs> Fadenberg had three hits. Two of them were beauties. And he played a very – like, they're playing a good, safe game, and they know where the players are on the breakouts. And, you know, they took advantage of the Wilds system. They, they, and, they, well, and we're going to talk about this, but I just wanted to say – that defense played really, really well. I was really happy with it. I was very happy with how they played and showed up last night. 
I was a bit worried about Quinn Hughes in game one. He, he looked a bit uneasy at times. At times he was fast and those drop passes. I haven't had any problems with the defense at all. I mean, they kind of, they were going off on Tyler Mars yesterday on Twitter with the, because he took those penalties. I mean, but that's because he's big. He's a big guy. Like, I mean. Nobody ever thinks logically on Canucks Twitter. They're just getting on Myers because, I, I mean, Canucks fans have been all over. Canucks Twitter has been all over Myers because of his contract. And mm-hmm. yet the thing is, he plays a solid game. I mean, would you it's rather solid. have Eric Goodbranson or Derek Pouliot yeah. back there otherwise? I mean. At least it's not the $8 million it was rumored to be, eh? Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather have Jared McCann still. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'll say this, our defense this year has at least been watchable and enjoyable more nights than not, whereas the last, like, four years practice, this, you never knew what you were getting on the blue line. It was, like, fruit basket upset, just disastrous many nights. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, the thing is, is in these two games, Marstrom hasn't had to be superhuman. And but he also that's wasn't a terrible in that first game. Maybe he should have had the first one for sure. But the Canucks didn't score any goals for him to help them out. Yeah, and in the second game, they actually gave him some run support, and uh, he actually played a pretty good game. I, the goal that he let in, this is the first goal. I mean, it kind of, it was kind of weak in my opinion. But I mean, I mean, are you are you talking the shorthanded goal, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, that actually is that sweet spot that goes right between the blocker and the and the pad. And I can tell you, every goalie will tell you that that's the perfect shot because you can't make that save. Because oh. because you because it doesn't extend your blocker doesn't extend down and it's that one little hole and when you hit it when you hit it, like goal scores that's that's what goal scores do and that that was a great shot like it was that was a really good shot so it I'll was. give uh, I'll give him I'll give him credit on that and and you know the, the last two goals at the end of the game that's just to me when it's four one with that much time left I think that um, you know that's just a young guy who's who shooting the puck so well i mean it was honestly it's kind of like watching when he's in his zone full credit minnesota on expertly icing the puck i don't know how many times those last two minutes that lasted like 10 minutes (laughs) every time the puck went down this they're like just let it go we're not going to chase it oh good we can bring the face off back yeah Uh, i'm also going to channel a bit of knucks twitter here on this one i'm going to channel a bit of knucks twitter i think the knucks dropped deep on those last goals. I, I think they kind of got soft near the end. And I think they they were not pressing the I high agree. Line, not pressing the yeah. blue well, I agree. And they just got lazy. Yep, I agree. I agree. The game they thought the game was over and Minnesota kind of pushed kind of did a little push and, and they made it look good. But it's not like I, I don't know. If I was Minnesota, I wouldn't feel good right now because you haven't been scoring five on five. And the longer you don't go scoring five on five, you're not going to win those games. You can't win those games. Minnesota is not a team that relies on special teams. They're a team that relies on strong defense, a couple five on five goals, and then sitting back in their shell and, and uh, you know, forcing mistakes on the other team. No, that's yep. true. And that, I mean, Minnesota really hasn't, the Canucks have played really well five on five against them, mm-hmm. even in game one. Minnesota's not. And Stalock's human. I mean, he's not hes not Hellebuck. He's not any of these goaltenders that he's are going to put on a show. He's right? not any of them. He's, <laughs> he's a decent goalie. He's a decent goalie. I will give him credit. With that shout-out, goes for him, full marks. But he's not, like, one of the top ten goals in the league. Like, that's just – it's not. Yeah. And he doesn't and he doesn't have to be with the way the Wilder constructed and played the game, right? Uh, yeah, Absolutely. 
Yeah, but you know, don't please. We got to stop calling him Staylock. You got to start calling him Stay Flop, because that that's <laughs> that that flop that flop when Patterson hit him. I was the man behind the fence and the grassy knoll that that took that <laughs> shot. And um, you know, he's he's got a you know. You know, Smith on that's what that reminded me of. Oh, but you know, the flop of the night is still um, on uh, on Hartman. There, that oh, was phenomenally oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it's still a bit loud, but Petey's never going to go out to actively hurt someone. And the dive oh, was just—it was just too good. It was—it was literally <laughs> too good that he knocked himself out. I mean, <laughs> but that is like the best. Wow. Oh. I'm, I'm, Sorry you're in, but maybe don't die next time when there was no need to. I just want to make yeah. one other comment, too, about the adjustments the Canucks made, too, from versus game one from game two. This is why teams take tapes and they watch the, re they watch the games again and they break things down. I really think game four, whoever wins game three, is going to benefit from game four because teams are not going to have the time to break down the tapes and figure out what teams were doing successfully. Because one thing Vancouver was doing great was in game one, the Wild were getting their sticks and lanes and everything. The Canucks, how many toe drags and deeks did the Canucks do that put the Wild in bad positions that opened the ice up for players to then get to the middle of the ice and score those goals that they weren't able to score, right? So game three is going to be the most important game in my opinion because having the quick turnaround and a game four very next day is very favorable to whoever wins that game the Canucks yeah. need to come out of the gate fast like they did mm. in the last one. they got them moving they got them uh you're yeah. right the Deeks getting them out of the position so they could find the inside that Pearson goal I wouldn't call it from the inside but at the same time they got the defense moving they got those shooting lanes clear and if they're going to win game three, and I agree with you, the person or team who's going to win game three is most likely also going to, going to get game four. They need to get the wild moving. They need to use their youth early and score that first goal or score that first couple of goals, hopefully. That first goal is so important. Yeah, Just I mean, playoff hockey. that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. I mean, for keys for, well, let's get into the, just to kind of start wrapping up here is the talk about, the keys for next game. I mean, the Canucks played a really good game, but you know the Wilds are going to come back and try to push back, especially with Fiala scoring those two goals. I mean, no matter how late it was, he's still going to have confidence going into the next game. Um, yeah, we'll start with you, Sarah, about like yeah. three keys for the game for tomorrow. They need to come quick out the game, fight for that first goal. Like, don't don't just get sloppy because you won the, the second game. Like, take the confidence and use it from start to finish. Better power play. Like, that needs to be more consistent. You can't oh, yeah. just, like, you can't go 0 for 5, 1 for 5. It, we need to start cashing in on those, especially when we get back-to-back -back two full, like, well, like four straight minutes. I want to start seeing at least one of those result in a goal. Like, please. Please. <laughs> and, Clay, like, the team is starting to look good, but... I want to see also like a more clean finish. Like those last two minutes, if we're in the lead again, don't get sloppy. Stay strong. Like clear that puck every time. Don't ice it. But like someone hit the net. Just get it out safely. All right, yeah. yeah, Aiden will go with you next. Oh, okay. I want to go with me. I, I was scrambling there because Sarah kind of nailed it. Sarah kind of picked all <laughs> three of mine there. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to go with some ones that are different here. So <laughs> – uh, attached a bit to the, the late game collapse, I think the Canucks need to be more disciplined. I think it's tough. <laughs> we talked a bit yeah. about Monsters and that big body. 
but he's got to be careful. I agree, Didi. And there were dives with Hartman and Daylock, but at the same time, you can't let them get in position to even pretend. So they can't let them be actors. They got to be disciplined and got to be mature about where they're putting their yeah. stick, where they're putting their hands. Otherwise, uh, things are going to look worse than they are. And my final one is just stay consistent. If you're going to play the game well, you need to have the same energy from the first puck drop to the last minute of the game. You can't let those late goals in, but you also can't let the middle of the game get away from you either. You need to stay consistent throughout, and you need to have that pressure all 60 minutes. I mean, I, I agree with all those. I mean, I'm probably just going to repeat myself, <laughs> repeat some of the other ones, but that power play is the biggest thing. Uh, uh. I mean, those back to back ones killed me. Yeah. Stop with the, as much as I, I also with the drop pass yeah, and the drop passes, like, stop with the drop passes. Stop I mean, drop pass crisp and short and stop having like 10 of them in a row. Like, yeah. three passes and shoot. Someone get the rebound. Keep the blue line, like, hold the line, please. And uh, I mean, the thing is, uh, moving the puck, I just let Quinn Hughes skate it in. I don't understand why he, Telling him to drop it back. I mean, he's got the speed. He's got the ability to do it. Let him do it. So, yeah. And that's my first key. Second was just basically, I don't know, replicate almost the same game as, as yesterday. I mean, except, mm. except the two minutes in the last bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. play the same way. Keep pressuring them. Get in front of the net. Get crash the net the way they were doing. Get stale off making saves, which is what they did. And, uh, and finally, just let uh, keep the lot of line together. Please, <laughs> please. Even like, even if the Foley's back, don't put him back on that top line. Yeah. No, put Foley with Pearson and Bo. I mean, I don't understand. We talked about this last podcast, but I understand why that's such a big thing for Green not to do. I don't. I don't get why he's so refused to do. It. I really don't. I'm like, they have a known chemistry. Uh, I know. I know why. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know why. Because Travis Green is an old. You got to remember, he comes from that '90s era of hockey. And that's how teams were constructed. And you had those types of teams and players. And, and so you had your top line and you had a reasonable second line. And then you had a grinding third line. And, and that's just his mindset. He's very stubborn and wants to stick to those things. And, and you know, he was, it, it's great that he was forced to make this change because look at the result, right? I mean, we talked about this. He, he's, uh, his X's and O's execution are amazing, but I've just, I don't understand why he can't see the line changes. It's, it's crazy. Or the actual lines combinations. Yeah. It makes zero sense to me, but <laughs> all right, Dan, we'll get, get your three keys for next game. Yeah. So first of all, I can't believe none of us talked about Pedersen, first of all, oh, because yeah. he, oh, had, he had, he had, he, he, he had the game of a lifetime, like, and mm -hmm. it's only a second playoff game, but that kid was physical. He was DTP. He was speed through the neutral zone. He got his shot off a couple times and good on Scalock for anticipating and putting it in there. Um, and Sticky Pete was awesome. I was yeah. so impressed with that. And, and he, and he, and he carried, you know, as much as you want to say about JT Miller and Brock had a great game, I get all that. As Pedersen goes, the Canucks will go. I am convinced of that now as much as, as much as Quinn Hughes on the defense drives the play and everything. There's no doubt that Pedersen is the driving force of the team. And oh, Horvat might be the heart and soul, 
but Pedersen is the engine that drives the team and they feed off of them. And you could see it with both or with Brock Besser yesterday. What, I mean, he had a good first game, but holy smokes, his game ramped up. The oh second gosh, game. that game yeah. too, like leaps and bounds better for so many players. But yeah, Petey, yeah. time yeah. you think he tackled to another level, he does it. Oh, oh, he does. And he will, he'll continue to do this. That's just it. That's why I think, that's why I think they have to come out and win game three because if they do that, they'll win game four because his drive to win, his drive to win just will inspire the rest of the team. I mean, look to what win. it did for his game in Sweden. Well, look at, look at Brock, look oh. at Brock trying that, that sneaky little deke to get around Staylock. And if it wasn't for yeah, a great defensive play, nice. right? That was nice. Yeah. So that's, so I, we, we, we should have well, talked we'll about Patterson before, before I get to the keys. Yeah. We, yeah, we should be talking about Pete because, I mean, he just – I mean, and again, we talked a little bit about the headshot and wasn't really a headshot. But, I mean, he's, he's going up against guys that are 40 – have 40, 50 pounds on him, and he's pushing them back and knocking them I, around as much no, as they're doing it to him. Can't Don't take Petey out. He will defend himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice to see. Yeah. So, my, my three keys to the game um, is actually uh, Markstrom. And I know he had a reasonably good game, uh, game two. He needs to continue to do that. Um, if Markstrom does not do that, the Canucks aren't going to fare well. They are going to need him to stand on his head. And, and the reason I say that is right after they made it one nothing, um, uh, Markstrom made that huge save off Eric Stahl on it. Just a, a glorious chance going right down the middle. And, again, the, the, the Canucks defense, you know, just kind of opened like the Red Sea by Moses. <laughs> And, and, and Eric Stahl just, like, drove right in there, right? Um, and what a save by, by Markstrom. And after that save, you could tell they weren't really going to – I mean, again, uh, Fiala's two shots were great. And, and as, as, as Aiden said, they, they, the Canucks kind of just stopped trying with the last two minutes there. So they, they kind of have to work on that. But, but Markstrom has to be, I think, going to have to be their best player next game. Yeah, so my second point is the Canucks defense has to continue to be doing what it's doing. It is right now as good as the Wilds in terms of its production. And, in fact, as a whole, again, it's, it just – you have to mention this. And it's to limit a team to no goals five-on-five five through two games of a series, the, the, the chances of the Wild winning diminish every single minute that they aren't scoring five-on-five. And maybe they can get through or, or defense don't change anything. The players are feeling it. They're feeling good. For some reason, the forwards are getting injured, but I, I don't understand why the defense is getting injured. So knock on wood and, and let's hope that they uh, keep that up. But that's my second key. And the third key to the game, honestly, is going to be Pedersen. He's been dominating and, and getting better and better. He needs to have a dominant game. And the reason he needs to have a dominant game is if he has a dominant game in game three, and the Wild have structured their best game plan, and they can't stop him. Imagine going into a day later, game four, feeling that good. Besser, Pedersen, Miller, Horvat, all of them feeling that good about themselves. I don't know if the Wild have it in their head that they can stop him. You're right. You're right. The lottery line needs to produce. They need to be the right numbers. Oh, God, that's cliche. I regret that already. But um, <laughs> it, the Canucks are dependent on their on their scoring. That's what sets them apart from the Wild. That top line needs to be lights out every game of yep. the series and every game as long as they want to progress in the future. And yep. I think that the, 
that's where they're going to beat the wild. And that's where <laughs> I'm still cringing at that joke, but yeah, uh, no, no, it's great. It's a great <laughs> line, right? You know, I mean, I can, I can sing, you know, what I want at the Canucks games, honestly, is for the fans to all the fans when they score goals go la 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 oh six forty nine. Just get the whole <laughs> crowd to chant that would be just so good. But um, awesome. yeah, like like it isn't just the Canucks top six scoring. Like they had depth scoring this year. And again, Jake Vertan and I don't be surprised if Jake scores a goal and, and they get a goal from those guys. And and again, as Sarah mentioned there with Louis Stick, hopefully it doesn't break the next time he gets a prime chance like that. Oh gosh. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, yeah, I, love I, I want. I watched that again, and even if he did get, the, it don't look like he was going to hit the puck. It looked like he was going to miss it. Bro, like I want it for Louie, honestly. I yeah, do too. I, I, I like Louie. I like Louie. The my favorite tweets of the night were were when it was four one. Uh oh, it's Louie time, right? <laughs> wild wild polar goalie. It's Louie time. So it's pretty 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 awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Anything uh, else? I'm I'm good. Yeah, you want to count us out, Matt? Yeah. So uh, thanks thanks for everyone for for listening to episode we're on episode 10 Whoa. of the podcast now and episode two with the with uh our new trio uh going forward and uh you know look uh, look forward for some more some new segments new guests and uh potentially new format as we go forward and three musketeers as we say so so yeah. uh, uh thanks for listening and uh remember the game tomorrow is at 11 30 in the morning I don't know who's going to be watching, but uh, looking at some of the polls on Twitter, it looks like uh, there are going to be quite a few people watching, either calling in sick or... <laughs> a lot of people are working from home right now because of COVID. Yeah. So, oh, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I got to work from home today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Three quarters of Vancouver. I'm working from home today. Oh, I think we're all excited, though, and I'm all good with the morning game. Yeah, 11.30 start, and uh, then that uh, game potentially uh final game four on friday at uh, and that's at 7 45 in the evening so i'll be back to normal somewhat normal i guess and uh, is anything yeah. normal these days though? nothing's normal <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> i can't wait either and uh hopefully we'll be talking about the canucks win after tomorrow and uh, we'll have another recap show for you guys uh after that and we'll be talking more about the canucks uh what they did right what they did wrong um and hopefully some we're not be talking we're not gonna be talking about more injuries uh because there's gonna be some players coming into the lineup today like probably zach McEwen and uh, that maybe and uh, hopefully and uh, we won't be talking about any more injuries after this and we wish Ferland some uh you know recovery and hopefully his concussion is not too bad and wish him some good luck and we'll be thinking about him as he heads back home and um, to uh hopefully get better uh, yeah, and thanks for everyone for listening and go Canucks, go enjoy the game. Shelman across, Lebeck is robbed by Markstrom. Sprawling save, stacked the pads and stuck the left leg up in the air to kick it out. Old school goaltending, we got some old school goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. Fade.